This is Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks, and welcome to my podcast series, The Voice of Leadership. For joining me today for part two of Military Leadership Best Practices. So if you haven't heard part one, please go back and take a listen to part one, where I cover four leadership best practices from the military. And today we're going to cover four additional ones. And I'll remind you that I was in the Army as an Army officer. And so this comes from my personal experience what I observed, what I experienced while being a leader in the military, and ways that you can use that information in your business today in a non-military setting, if you're in a non-military setting. So the first thing I want to bring up today is the military's commitment to innovation. That may seem unusual to people. A lot of people don't necessarily think of the military as innovators. However, historically, the military has often been the first place and the training ground for doing new things because it's been necessary given whatever the military mission was at the time. So, for example, during World War II, that's when a lot of assessments being done by psychologists first came into vogue. It was actually done by the Army in the military long before assessment for selection or development in the workplace was ever done in the civilian sector. So, in fact, this figures heavily into why I ended up in the Army as opposed to, for example, the Air Force. I've always loved airplanes and I've always loved traveling by plane, the sky and flying and all of that. However, the reason I went into the Army as a psychologist is because I knew that the Army had a long history of assessment and innovation through the different cycles in its history of military engagements. And I wanted to be in a place where I could benefit from that kind of thinking that would help me to always be imagining how I could use new tools, and new ways. And even today, the civilian sector is benefiting from what the military started and did many years ago. And even now, business leaders are using those same processes to assess their people. One of the real familiar tools that I even use right now in my business engagements is a tool that was commissioned by the Navy, and that's the FIRO-B, the Fundamental Interpersonal Relations Orientation Behavior Assessment, where you really get a chance to see how people operate when working with others in a team context. And the Navy wanted to find out how their combat information centers were functioning and how by staffing the personnel in a certain way, they can actually get even greater performance because we all have different interpersonal needs and the FIRO-B measures three of those interpersonal needs. 
So that's just an example. So innovation, new tools, new ways, that's one of the best practices. Number two would be what I would call continuous improvement. For example, as an individual soldier, you are required to keep up your physical fitness level and periodically you are tested on your physical fitness and it's called the PT or PT test. And you are training and practicing on a regular basis and that test includes a number of things, include running. You want to shave off time on the run so that you run faster the next time around, do more push-ups the next time around. So you're continually improving at the individual level your capability, your competencies, your abilities, and whole units and teams are also improving in their ability to be the military warfighter. So you're going out into a field environment where you're practicing, where evaluators are present to see how well you do your mission and what you've been trained to do. And they're giving you feedback on how you do that mission in this field environment, some areas you're going to pass, some areas you're going to excel, and some areas are going to say you need to do some more work. There's always that emphasis on continuous improvement. And as we used to say back in the day in the Army, being all that you can be. Then number three, as far as leadership best practices, would be create contingency plans and backups. So when you know that you're about to engage the enemy or a difficult situation, you don't go into that situation with only one plan. The reality of what happens never is exactly what you prepared and planned for. There's always some little wrinkle or something that turns out in a different way. And you have to be able to know if A occurs, then we're going to switch over to plan B. And if plan B gets sidetracked, we've got a plan C. And here's how we'd modify what we're doing just in case we need a Delta plan too. So the military is very good about thinking about what might those contingency plans be and having those backups in place. And then fourthly, I would say, the military is extremely good about thinking about systems, systems for getting things done. In other words, you don't want to waste time reinventing the wheel when this is an action you're going to perform repeatedly on a regular basis. And so therefore, you could have an SOP for that activity. You could have a system for that activity, for example, such as assembling or disassembling your rifle. Well, there's a system for how to do that. There's an SOP for how to do that, how to take it apart and how to put it back together again. Because on a regular basis, you're going to need to clean the weapon. And so you need to know how to take it apart and put it back together again quickly. The military has all kinds of regulations and SOPs for almost everything else that you can think about, including how to wear the uniform. One way of thinking about this is you want to save your brain for those times when it's something unique and novel, and maybe there's no SOP on that. There's no regulation on that. There's no system on that because we've never encountered it before. 
You don't want all of your brain power going to things that are routine, that you practice every day, and that you could actually have an easy system in place in order to do that on more automatic pilot. So if I review today's leadership lessons, it's innovation, thinking about ways to do something new and different to meet the current need. It's about continuous improvement and not settling on your laurels. And three, it's creating contingency plans and backups, always having that additional strategy and approach. And then four, having systems, standard operating procedures in place for the routine things that you face every day. Now, if I think about the clients that I work with, there is a tremendous need today in the business world for innovation. In order to retain competitive advantage, to have the market share that you're looking for, you always have to innovate and come up with your next great win or the something new that your customer is looking for. And that means even when you have what is the latest and greatest, the continuous improvement is important to make sure it stays the latest and the greatest. And of course, in the business world, scenario planning is important there too. You might plan on a stellar year where you're going to have an excess of revenue. What happens if you have a shortfall instead? What's your contingency plan in that situation? What if you launched a new product? Your intention was for it to be successful and perhaps that product doesn't take off or maybe the product is wildly successful and you're not even able to manufacture enough of them. And so you're having to build new infrastructure because of the unexpected success. So having alternative contingency plans is important. And then, of course, systems. So often what I see frustrating employees day to day is that their company has a very hard way to do something that's time consuming and that's frustrating and annoying when in fact that same item could be automated or systematized for much greater success, freeing up the people to go back to the top of the cycle and innovate on something new. If that's the kind of workplace you're looking for and you're looking for your next opportunity, your next competitive advantage, and you want to see how these lessons apply to your organization, then let's have a conversation. You've been listening to The Voice of Leadership with me, Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks. And I want to give a special thanks to jazz saxophonist Ron McMillan for granting us permission to use his gifted music on our show. Thanks for listening. And remember to go to my website, transleadership.com, for more strategies, insights, and leadership resources.